It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. All right, hey, uh, hope we uh, hope you're having a great day. It's going to get even better. We got a great week, uh, a impactful week, a historic week here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. In a matter of 11 minutes, one of the finest military minds in the country, James Stavridis, the Admiral, will be joining us. Former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO forces. I'm sure he's going to play a prominent role in the Biden administration if they are smart. And then Will Kane, uh, Mr. Everything from sports to news, he's been uh, filling in for me all week on Fox and Friends. Not today. He's off, but still wanted to come in. We appreciate that. He's uh, set to host the weekend, which is eight hours of television. Uh, so that'll be great. I'm following this one story, and it's so disturbing, but sadly it's not original. We remember when the National Guard was called in to help secure the White House after the unrest, the burning of the church, uh, the nearly incursion into the White House where the president had to be ferried into the basement. And then when they were called in, the mayor was so upset, he said, you can't stay in any, she said, you cannot stay in any of the hotels in the area. So they were forced basically to fend for themselves, move around the city, try to find out where they could stay. This comes out of their pocket. You know, these are National Guard members from various states. Our own Pete Hegseth was one of them. Now, this time, you have 25,000 National Guard members came from Maryland, Texas, New York, all around the country, and they helped secure the Capitol. Overdone, no question, but you got to be certain, you got to be secure after the January 6th incursion. Do you know that after the inauguration was done, they had no place to stay? They were kicked out of the Capitol. They were not allowed to stay where they were staying, and they had to sleep in garages with only two bathrooms and no accommodations where it dropped below 30 degrees at night. Now everybody's calling it back from Florida to Texas, but it's too late. The damage is done. The disrespect is clear. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Speaker Pelosi will determine when she will send the articles over, but make no mistake about it. There will be a trial. There will be a vote up or down on whether to convict the president. I believe he should be convicted. No kidding, Senator Schumer. You never thought he should have been president. Uh, That's Senator Schumer. Nobody's uh, prideful of him in New York or very few. Uh, Impeachment. Yeah, they'll move forward. But now it seems Mitch McConnell's getting his bearings. The president's got a lawyer. He's going to need two or three weeks to get ready. And when they start the trial, nothing else happens. Is that really going to help you, Joe Biden? Isn't it time for you to step in? Number two. I join my fellow representatives in thanking the World Health Organization for its role in leading the global public health response. The United States will remain a member of the World Health Organization. What an embarrassment that statement is. Dr. Fauci, the Fauci follies and the quest to tackle this pandemic. Yesterday, he showed to be the partisan he is. The publicity hound has complimented the WHO, took endless veiled shots of the Trump team. What is going to go be, be held accountable for this mess? This is, as the Biden bunch claims, there's no vaccine plan. Really? We're averaging 900,000 a day. I hope for more. But that seems to me to be a plan, right? Number one. I think uh, the president is off to a very good start. And I think if we can give him the support that he needs in Congress, he can, in fact, be an extremely progressive president addressing the crises facing working families. 
When Bernie Sanders is happy, you and I are not. What happened to the soothing centrist? Joe Biden's executive orders are great for a liberal agenda, an extreme liberal agenda, not for jobs or the economy. They stopped drilling on federal land, stopped the wall, stopped the XL pipeline, prioritized illegal aliens over us, non-citizens. There are just four examples of how Biden's EOs are hurting the people he pledged to bring together, the American people. Look. I'm the first one to say I, I liked a lot of elements of his speech. The white supremacist could do without, you know, the critical race theory into, uh, uh, indications I would have done without uh, embed racism in society. But besides that, two-thirds of the speech was good. What he intended to do I thought was great. But what he has done over the first two days is absolutely terrible. And it's really not my opinion. Let's just go to the stats. He's going to stop the wall. They've already built the Ballards. They built the steel. So we're going to have to to either store 750 tons of steel or destroy it. We are going to lay off 5,000 minimum workers who are going to build the wall, a wall that in 2006 Joe Biden signed up for when a different president was president. His name is George Bush. He wanted to build 650 miles of wall. So what has changed? Well, he became president, and he suddenly has lost his, I guess, Delaware bearings. He's more like the Vermont senator. So then you look at the XL pipeline. These are union jobs, about 15,000. This is going to be U.S. steel, uh, tons of steel, not going to be used. We know it has no environmental impact, but why? John Kerry said it was a bad Optic when he was Secretary of State to tell people to sign up for the Paris Climate Change Accords and at the same time build this pipeline. Who cares about optics? Do you know the liberals in Canada are also for this pipeline? Instead of using rails, instead of using trucks, this makes it quicker. It goes right into uh, through Texas, goes to our refineries, everybody's working, and it goes through. I don't get it. And I could not be more disappointed. And then he says for a hundred, for the next 100 days, not one person is going to be deported. What do you kind of signal do you think that is to other people in other countries about our country? It's come one, come all. And I don't blame them. Central Americans, we got another caravan heading our way. We got 60,000 uh, in Mexico and the remain in Mexico policy. We got tens of thousands here, 1.2 million who still need their case being heard in some type of mini immigration court. And the, that's what Joe Biden's priorities are. Please don't tell me he cares about the coronavirus. Please don't tell me he says he's going to handle it for Americans. Please don't tell me he he cares that 400,000 people are dead. At the same time, he's going to allow people to stream across our border who aren't wearing masks. I'm being sarcastic. Of course they're not. And don't exactly have rapid tests in their pockets. I'm, stu- I'm just stunned that he's doing this and could be not be more disappointed that he's actually going ahead uh, on this. So uh, if he wanted to actually do something, maybe he would have talked to people ahead of time on the right and said, what do you need to get something done? I want to do immigration on the big, in the big picture. What do you need? Well, I want to secure the border. How do we do it? Well, I'm already building the fence. Let me finish. Pledge to finish it off entirely, 1,200 miles of the 2,000. The rest is a natural barrier, and we'll see where we go. Meanwhile, Joe Biden says there's no vaccine plan. There was no plan here. Nancy Pelosi, there's no plan here. Well, okay. in nine months, they have a vaccine that took you should take five years, maybe more. And now the plan has got 900,000 people a day getting vaccinated. Way too low, but not a bad start. 
They promised a lot more than they're giving. So now he promises 100000 a day. And then some reporters did the math and said, wait, that's not much different. Listen to Joe Biden. Listen to how short he gets with one contentious question. Cut 15. When I announced it, you all said it's not possible. Come on, give me a break, man. On, it's a good start. Unbelievable. Give me a break, man. It's a good start. So Dr. Anthony Fauci comes out and gives this ebullient press conference yesterday by himself on his little riser, and he addresses the press, and he's taking all these questions. The press just simply wants him to insult Trump, and he lets him do it. All you have to say is, that's a political question. I have no interest in that. We're gonna, I'm going to do the best I can to implement the plan that I worked with Joe Biden on doing. I work with Donald Trump's team on this. Now let's move forward. So easy. But not if you are a Democrat. Not if you dislike President Trump. Not if you are in love with the camera. This guy did Chris Cuomo last night, did a two-hour press conference, addressed Anthony Fauci, he was on CNN again this morning. What is he going to do something and be accountable for anything? And he double talks all the time. So listen to him. Now, you know that China lied about the virus. Newsweek story today, a member of the WHO says they have to go in there and get China to level with us and how this virus started for us to fully be able to stop it. They are demanding answers. So when we pulled out of the WHO, some saying that's folly. I understand it. We're financing it, and they're kowtowing to China. So then this president comes in and says, one of my executive orders, we're reentering the WHO. And he has Anthony Fauci do it. And this guy, Tetros, who runs the place, isn't even a doctor, and he is useless as far as I, I am concerned. But listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Tell me if this represents your vision of American interest. Cut 21. I join my fellow representatives in thanking the World Health Organization for its role in leading the global public health response to this pandemic. And as such, I am honored to announce that the United States will remain a member of the World Health Organization. Yesterday, President Biden signed letters retracting the previous administration's announcement to withdraw from the organization. Okay. He also praised his dear friend who runs the WHO. We have a pandemic that's infected 130 countries. Please tell me at what point you think he has done a good job and deserves our praise. When we come back, the foreign policy that it seems as though Joe Biden plans on keeping in place. I'm surprised. You're surprised. We'll talk about it with Admiral James Tervitas. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We talked about it with tariffs and economic issues. We've talked about it with spies operating out of a console in Houston. Uh, this challenge, the threat from the Chinese Communist Party is real. It is existential to the United States. We have to get this right. And I am counting on the next administration continuing our work, continuing to build out on the things that we have done in the exact way that the American people will demand. Well, that was the former Secretary of State, and the new Secretary of State is actually going to keep a tougher stance on China. They're going to keep the tariffs in place. Are they going to provide lethal weapons to Ukraine? That's something President Obama was not going to do. They're going to continue to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and uh, and astoundingly, uh, they seem to not be running from what is going on in uh, with Russia. So they're going to be tough on Russia, although they're going to extend this. Uh, missile agreement. Joining us now, Admiral James Javidis. Admiral, welcome back. Good to hear your voice, Brian. So what do you get the sense? What's the greatest challenge for this administration? Are you surprised they're not going out of their way to turn everything on its head like they're trying to do domestically? I'm not at all, because um, let's face it, the Trump administration had some uh, important wins in the area of foreign affairs. So there's no reason to come into office and simply reverse course with no reason. I think the biggest challenge facing us, Brian, this may surprise you, is the possibility of a serious cyber security attack based on what I saw in the Solar Winds hack, which was carpet bombing our entire cyber hemisphere. And I think the Russians clearly were behind it. Um, that's why I, I commend the new administration for going aggressively after Russia. And, uh, but how are they going aggressively the, after Russia? I didn't see that. Yeah, they're opening the, the first order that uh, President Biden gave to, uh, to Avril Haines, who's the uh, director of national intelligence, is to give him the facts on the cyber attack, on the bounties in Afghanistan, on Russian uh, engagement internationally opposing the United States. So uh, they're they're moving out um, now. They'll they'll take a bit of time, but I think cyber is where they really ought to focus because that's where Russia is going to come at us. Should we be re-upping this start agreement? I think we should, Brian, and and that may or may not surprise you, but. Um, where we are, as some of the folks listening will know, is we're right up against the stops, as we would say in the Navy, uh, on time to renew it. It, it. it crashes in about two weeks. So I think it makes sense to simply say, OK, let's extend the timeline. 
then we can uh, negotiate a broader deal that includes not only the big strategic weapons, but we can get into some of these uh, intermediate range missiles in Europe and a couple other things. Um, we've got good negotiators. Uh, I think the Trump administration was uh, moving in the right direction, but the clock ran out. So let's let's extend the clock if Russia's willing to do it. They clearly are. We are. I think it makes sense. But the thing is, you know, they were cheating on it. That's part of the reason why the, the president yeah. said, let's pull out of it. So what's going to change? Um, they were actually, Brian, not cheating on the start talks, on the strategic. They were cheating. You're absolutely correct. They were cheating on the intermediate range nuclear tipped uh, missiles in Europe. So I could see that from the Trump administration as a negotiating tactic. I think at this point you might want to, in fact, you will want to keep that on the table. But if you extend the time limit to negotiate, you have the opportunity to bring that into the agreement. At the end of the day, Russia needs this agreement more than we do because they can't afford to modernize their nuclear weapons in the way that we can. The uh, I was reading um, David Ignatius, and he was saying that they really did a good job sending a signal to Iran, don't try anything, with the sending yeah. the B-52 bombers out and getting the State Department on the same page to communicate to them what the ramifications would be had they tried to commemorate Soleimani's death. I completely agree. I think we discussed this in the run-up to Soleimani's death. Um, it was not only the B-52s. You know an admiral's going to say this. We moved the Nimitz carrier strike group into position. Yep. Uh, the administration had a bit of a stutter step thinking they were going to take it out. But I think the White House, frankly, overruled that and kept it there. All right moves. And, and it's a part of a larger uh, approach we need to take with Iran, which is we shouldn't be rushing back into the nuclear weapons agreement. It was a flawed agreement. Uh, it's it's almost at the end of its limits. What we ought to be doing is not rushing to Tehran to gratify them. We ought to go to Brussels, get our uh, European allies aligned with us, then go to the Iranians and say, okay, the old deal was the old deal, but we are going to have to craft a new deal. And I think Iran is in a very different and weaker position uh, because of the sanctions that have been applied because of covid uh, they have elections coming up. We need to time right. it carefully, given all of that. But I'd say no rush with Iran. Keep forces in place. Uh, let them know uh, that we're not going to just parachute back right. into the old agreement. And I hope we uh, build up a little bit more in Afghanistan and say we're not going to hold Indeed. off of the Taliban. i got to ask you real quick about what's going on in the National Guard. They asked 25,000 from various uh, states to show up, and then they give them no place to stay. They're staying in a parking garage with two bathrooms. <laughs> this is out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Outrageous. Yes, it is. And um, it was relatively quickly resolved. Never should have happened. Um, I think we need a full investigation to understand who made that decision to tell the guard, hey, you, you can't stay in this warm and comfortable environment. And let's face it, sleeping on the floor in the Capitol isn't a great deal, but it's a lot better than being in a freezing parking garage with one bathroom for 500 troops. 
So we need to find out who made that call, and there needs to be accountability for it. It was uh, no way to treat our soldiers. And uh, frankly, I also put some fault here on the Department of Defense, on the commanders. What general would have allowed that to happen Absolutely. without going completely high order? Uh, just a real failure all the way around. And if people wouldn't listen to you, go find a camera. Because if, you, if that general ran to a camera and said, no one's listening to me, the Capitol Police are kicking <laughs> my people out, that would have been great. Uh, 100%. Always great to talk to you, Admiral. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. All right. Putting in perspective, Will Kane, he'll be joining us in a matter of seconds, taking your call to 1-866-408-7669. Busy day. It's been a historic week. Thanks so much for being with me on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And while it may, to some, be a symbolic change, we, re- we remove the word alien from the immigration code and replace it with non-citizen. No longer will we dehumanize the undocumented. Yeah, the brilliant uh, Senator Bob Menendez working on immigration because that's who Joe Biden asked to lead the fr- uh, to lead the charge for immigration reform. With me right now, if you're smart enough to be a uh, subscriber to Fox Nation and watching it, uh, is Will Kane, uh, fresh off contributing to you do all four days uh, except for today. You've been hosting on Fox and Friends, but now you're just a contributor today, right? Somebody has to pick up your slack, right? Somebody. I was on this morning. They said, "Who's on the weekend show?" I said, "Well, I guess Brian Kilmeade. He's been missing. No <laughs> one can find him." <laughs> Unless, of course, you're watching in the primetime hours where you've been all week. Yeah, just doing uh, one hour instead of three hours. You're about to do eight hours after doing uh, three hours all le- uh, week long. Uh, so, Will, first off, this week, I mean, everything's new to you. You're kind of new around here. But this week was like no other. Before I get into what Bob Menendez uh, saying in, in immigration reform, how do you characterize what you've seen over the last few days? Over the last few days? How do I separate it from the last few months? What I've seen over the last few days is America attempting to move on, for better or worse. This is America attempting to turn the page. The real question will be, what do Americans want to do? You know, President Trump was always more than President Trump. I always thought, even as I watched somewhat from the sidelines, Brian, in sports, Mm -hmm. that the analysis was so superficially focused on his personality, day his by day, character, too. and Everything. it was a ratings driver for right. media because it's easy accessibility. Oh, my God, you see what he just tweeted? Oh, my God, you see what he just said? But under that, man, there was something so much deeper that is really important, and that we're not turning the page on. That, you cannot just flip the script. And to me, Brian, as I look at what happened this week, somebody's going to have to stand up and go, well, what about the reorganization of American politics? What about economic populism? What about the forgotten man? What about the working man? What about addressing the fact that this nation is marching, I think probably more like jogging and slowly developing into a sprint towards a re-racialization of our society. We're embracing authoritarian measures. And President Trump on a lot of these things, and I know there are many that disagree with me, stood as a bulwark, stood as a symbol pushing back against this direction. And you can still criticize his personality and his character, but you got to be deeper and look at these issues underneath. And that 
will remain. You know, I think it's so funny. I thought about that, too, is that, you know, they say the president wants to be an autocrat. He wants to be an absolute monarch. Really? Uh, is that the same guy who you're criticizing for telling each and every governor you're in charge of your PPE, you're in charge of your testing, I'll provide the material, you say where it goes, oh, we got a vaccine, we're going to ship it to you, tell you how to take care of it, you'll tell me how you want to do it. I thought that, to me, was a Republican uh, axiom, number one. Number two, it flies in the face of people who says he wants absolute power. He actually gave it to the states. Now, Joe Biden's saying, I'll take control now, right? Uh, I'm going to take control. Okay, well, we'll see how that goes. So when states turn around and say, really, you, you're judging Mississippi like you are Missouri, like you are uh, Florida, you can tell me that governor in Florida is going to want to be told by Joe Biden uh, how to handle, uh, how to reopen schools. He's already done it. And how to handle this vaccine and some of the uh, therapeutics that are coming his way? I think the biggest rebuttal to the idea that Donald Trump was a wannabe fascist authoritarian is, well, he had a massive opportunity. Have you ever seen a bigger government power grab than over the past nine months during the coronavirus pandemic, the economic shutdowns? You saw would-be authoritarian measures by Democratic governors and mayors. If President Trump wanted to, he could have grabbed massive power over that time. He declined. You have the mayor of Washington, D.C., who decides today we're going to start reopening restaurants 25 percent capacity. Nothing's changed. We have schools beginning to reopen. The governor of New York saying it's time to reopen schools. It's trying to, excuse me, time to open businesses. Yesterday, in part of the new Biden plan to beat the pandemic, one of the things says uh, restore U.S. leadership globally. Okay, that could be anything. Um, he says, safely reopen schools, businesses, and travel while protecting workers. How many times has Donald Trump said that really since April, May? We have to start opening schools, and they're saying, callous, you don't care about people, kids aren't at risk. How dare you say kids aren't at risk? There was somebody that somebody got sick in Buffalo or someone had a problem uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, and it's a kid. And I'm thinking to myself, we're, they're not even being coy about how they're saying that they're playing politics with the pandemic. So listen, you're 100% correct. But what's happening in this country, in my estimation, is a smaller but deeper level. We're being affected on a cultural level. We're being affected in every which way in our daily lives, from entertainment to sports to our little mayors across the country. What I'm getting at, Brian, is while you hear uh, Joe Biden saying we have to reopen schools, I got an email yesterday from my kid's school in New York City. That said... We will not open for the remainder of the school year. We are 100% remote. I read that. that, I'm not going to say the school it is, but I read that. Why? I'll say the school that it is. It is Success Academy Charter Schools, which is the second biggest school district in New York City. It's a wonderful school. They call their own shots, right? No teachers union. Long as the day you want. Here's why, Brian. We have been 100% remote through the entire pandemic. Why? Because they're tethered to the New York Department of Education. Now, I don't want this to be a New York story. I'm telling you something larger is going on here. They can't deal with the stops and starts. Oh, you're in, you're out. Your building is open, your building is closed. They threw their hands up and go, forget it. We want consistency. We'll master remote education, and we're going to give our children the best education possible. What I saw in that email, man, was a line that said, we hope to be back to at least a hybrid model in the fall. 2021 is slipping away from us. So Joe Biden can say all he wants, but little Democratic mayors and Democratic DOEs in New York City or wherever it may be. Chicago. They're chalking away 2021. And these teachers unions that are behind it, Brian, I'm telling you something. It's child abuse. 
These are kids locked up in little apartments who don't go out to the playgrounds, who don't get socialization. It is nothing short of child abuse. So, yes, Joe Biden's a hypocrite. Yes, the media coverage of Joe Biden's a hypocritical, and we'll focus on that. But if we don't look at what's happening in our culture, in our local level, we're going to lose our country. Right, and if he truly wants to unify, he'll come out and say, I'm extremely disappointed in the New York school system. I'm very disappointed in the Chicago Unified School System. When I read the quotes from the head of the teachers' union, they should understand that this is about kids first and teachers are getting vaccinated. I made it a priority for you. Don't let me down here. That unifies people. And that's going to help with Chicago and Texas. Excuse me. It's going to help with Florida and Texas. They're going to get a lot more citizens. Same thing with uh, Tennessee, North Carolina. Absolutely. Uh, And they're going to run from California. They have an additional reason uh, to get out of there. But here's um, – this is what Lloyd Austin said yesterday about – would you want to – Eric, you were talking about what what number? 46. Um, Here's what Lloyd Austin said – well, we're, we're going to hold off on that. Um, why would you? Well, this is from Will's package. Okay, good. My my confusion. Will, you did a package yesterday. First, before I roll it, uh, mm. you were in the People's Kitchen in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Do yes. you want to set it up? Yeah, I'll set it up. Um, I'm sorry. As you were thinking through what yeah. you were going to toss to next, I was thinking about yeah, the I'm text to I got last you, night. Uh, okay. Because um, I got a text last night from a buddy who's watching you at 7 p.m., He's like, Brian Kilby just called you endlessly sexy. And I said, wow. And he goes, yeah, just want you to know. Oh, you know? I forgot I did that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> um, that wasn't in the prompter. <laughs> what percentage of the time would you say you are in the prompter? Well, on that show, uh, I try to stay accurate. No, I do yeah. Fox and Friends. I can tell very well when you have left the, the prompter, prompter. <laughs> which is often. <laughs> which is, you know, it's pretty much like this show. Right. But so you went out and talked to the people yesterday. I, I or did. Or two days ago. Okay, so as you pointed out, I'm new. So two years ago, you, as one of the hosts of Fox & Friends, know you host many diners across the nation. Two years ago, you went to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, in the wake of a Bernie Sanders event. And we went to the People's Kitchen. And it was crowded. It was bustling. It was a young couple who lived above the diner and was about to get married. I went and visited them two years later because shortly after they got married, running this business together, everything came grinding to a halt. Essentially, they are at 0% capacity, 100% takeaway, and have lost 80% of their gross revenue. And so many times they tie it in with their house or they remortgage their house to get their business going. Man, Brian, can you imagine? I don't know how a business loses 80% of its gross. How do you survive? Can't. Now, unless Barstool steps up and pays your bills for a year. And that's actually the point because these people said the only way they're surviving is community. Everyone around them has come together, bigger tips, more orders, more support. Has the government stepped in? Not in a substantial way. Governments, bureaucracies don't have hearts. They're not equipped to deal with these things because they're not human beings. They're just people doing their job. You know what I mean? I'm just doing my job. I'm fulfilling my role. It's like getting an automated telephone system. How much help can you get? Meanwhile, the community steps up, and they're still alive. They're still married. Can't be an easy first yeah. year of marriage. And they're trying to make it work. So here's, uh, here's a little with Bill and Holly Grunen- Grunenwald, Cut 46. Hopefully this will be over in the next couple of years, and we'll be able to start growing again. I, I just want to make sure that we keep kind of our, our reputation intact throughout this so when we do open we're hoping you know we can just build that all right back up again billy you had something buried in there you said a couple years how long can you go on like this 
Well, we initially thought that if we went to August, we'd be in trouble, and somehow we've gotten through that. It's difficult for everybody, so I try to stay as positive as possible. So they're grinding it out. People are helping out. So just like the school thing we were talking about, this is it. This is America. Okay? We are crushing America. There are alarms going off all across our society. And if we don't pay attention to it, there will be massive fires with our children's lives, their futures, our small businesses across the United States. It is not dystopian. It's not hyperbolic. I'm not hyperventilating to say we are watching America go through and hopefully emerge from, but hopefully not lose our country, one of the most crushing, look, man, authoritarian moments in our history. We truly are. And the only... Uh, the only thing to take away is we're not alone. 130 countries have this. China's lying about this. They have 22 million locked down. It's probably uh, much more than that. We don't even know how this virus started. But when you look at Europe, they were looking at us saying, wow, America, get your act together. They got slammed. The U.K. says they will keep their country shut down till the summer. Man. Man, it is January. What do you do if you're in Britain right now? <laughs> so we have to find a way to – we have to lead again. We have to show people how to live with this, not hide from this. And there are portions of our great country because we understand what federalism is, because we understand what local government is about. There are portions of our country like Florida and Texas who are balancing these interests. Right. Who they are do have the virus, though, But they they're living the with it. And everyone has the virus. But they also have open businesses and children in school. Absolutely. By the way, there's a little bit of a rage in the virus on these border cities in Texas. Why do you think that's happening? I I, yeah, I, I, I got to look into out. that. You I should. really, yeah, it's just one of those puzzles. <laughs> uh, back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Meanwhile, I have to convince you to listen to my radio show tomorrow between 9 and noon. Amongst our guests, and I am bragging, it's a lot of people. Admiral James Javitas is great, knows a lot about NATO, used to run it. Rick Grinnell didn't, but he's still important, ran Germany from the American perspective. Will Kane, endlessly sexy, as is Geraldo. <laughs> right, are you upset that I include Geraldo? Yeah, I watered it down a little yeah, bit. It, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Will Kane here getting set to host uh, Fox and Friends Weekend. Hey, Will, who do you have on? You. Uh, I'm on Sunday. We're going to review the, the Dave Portnoy package, Barstool, and their yeah. fund and what they're doing for businesses. Uh, Representative Henry, Qu- Henry Cuellar, Congressman Henry Cuellar's on. I don't ever remember this stuff, man. Even when I'm He's on good. with you on Fridays, everybody's like, what's coming up? And I was like, uh, yeah, some people. I, I know. Uh, believe me, I, I know it. But uh, Henry Cuellar was good. When I was at the border the last time, he's with me. He's a Democrat, but he wants to solve the problem. Yeah. He will be sensible about the 100,000, 100 days of non deportation. Right. Getting rid of the wall that you've already paid for and they built the panels already. Right. right. Insane. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, so that'll be Saturday and Sunday. So I wanted to finish up the immigration conversation. With everything going on, I know we, we have the $1.9 trillion package he wants to get passed. But I could not be more disappointed in his focus on immigration because it wasn't broken. The President Trump got the Remain in Mexico policy. This President of Mexico actually liked what we were doing. He put his Marines at the southern border. 
And then we had a situation where we're putting up 450 miles with 350 more paid for, and he's stopping it. He's shelving jobs. Did the message? There's another caravan coming. Are you surprised that Bob Menendez and Joe Biden are doing this? Well, okay. I'm going to tie this together really quickly. You have to tell me how much time we have to tie this together. Four minutes. So when we were talking, and I believe you and I talked about this on Fox and Friends, heading into the Georgia special election, one of the things I suggest is they're going to be focused on process. They're going to look at changing the way power is distributed so that they can coalesce. Whether or not that means making D.C. and Puerto Rico a state. What we're seeing from the far left, who is trying to exert some control over Joe Biden, is already, and I'm seeing this bubble up on social media, Brian, the filibuster. We have to do away with the filibuster, and they're tying it to racism, saying it's a Jim Crow relic. The point is that is a way to coalesce power, right? If you only need 50 and Kamala Harris can break it to 51, then you don't need the 60 senators the filibuster is going to require. Process power. I think Democrats and Joe Biden still believes – that immigration and a pathway to citizenship is a political power process for them. But if we give these people potentially citizenship, that's new Democratic voters. But here's the fascinating thing. Don't you find it really interesting that President Trump did well in the southern border of Texas? He increased his voting percentage in those primarily Latino counties in southern Texas along the border. Why? Because everyone believes in legal immigration. It's totally overly compensated on the Democratic side to believe just because you're Latino, you must like illegal immigration. It's flawed. It's not right. Yeah, he did well in Florida, too, and he got more of the Hispanic vote. That's uh, Cuban. In South Texas, it's in particularly important because that's a Mexican-American population. And he got some Puerto Rican, uh, Puerto Rican votes, too, uh, in Florida, too. But I'll, I'll add this to what you're saying. Cesar Chavez bust is now right over his left shoulder in the Oval Office, and he was the he united the farm workers uh, back in the sixties and seventies, and his bust sits there. So there must be a feeling that we we might be losing the fastest growing minority uh, in politics, and oh, maybe that's- maybe that's what he's trying to do. But what I'm trying to say is it's a little bit – what you're trying to say is it's pretty insulting to the Hispanic community yes. to think that we want people who – many of which came here legally. We want the 11 to 30 million that came here illegally to become citizens. Joe Biden, the Democrats' play will be to try to convince Latinos that they are victims and that this, they'll draw this again on a victimhood racial line where what that vote in South Texas might suggest is, hey, everyone's capable of believing in law and order. Not everybody sees the world through the prism of their own skin. They have deeper – political, religious, cultural beliefs, legal beliefs, than simply you defining me by what I am on my skin level. Right. And that's why when you praise the speech, like some people we know love the speech, I'm focusing on what he did later that day in those 73 executive orders. And I cannot get over the XL pipeline, cannot get over uh, the 100,000, the 100 days in which they can all stay. And I can't get over the wall starting because it's all going to cost him money. And it was pointed out to me that in 2006, Senator Joe Biden signed off on the Secure Fence Act that would have built 650 miles of wall. For some reason, George Bush didn't execute the entire wall that was paid for. So the money languished. Now the money's back. He doesn't even need to make a decision. He could easily call in Mitch McConnell and say, Mitch, you want a secure border? I'm going to give it to you. It seems to be an answer to the question of how much influence will the far left have on Joe Biden because Bernie Sanders right now is happy over those executive orders. Yeah, when Bernie's happy, happy, I'm not. Right. 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 Yeah, you got to wonder. But he didn't look happy at the inauguration, which gave me hope. But he, maybe Enough that's, with the memes of Bernie. Come on. Enough. But he's not. He never is happy. We should be honest about that. So watch Will Cain Saturday and Sunday. 
uh, from 6 a.m. Eastern to yeah, 10 Ryan, on Fox Ryan and Friends Kimmy Week Show. Endlessly sexy. Right. That was my line on you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, where we are doing so well on vaccines, at least in Manhattan. 93% of all the vaccines given have been uh, shot into the arms of uh, New Yorkers. We need more vaccine. Uh, Geraldo Rivera standing by to talk about that. Shannon Bream at the bottom of the hour. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Speaker Pelosi will determine when she will send the articles over, but make no mistake about it, there will be a trial, there will be a vote up or down on whether to convict the president. I believe he should be convicted. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, He always does. Impeachment, yes, it's still on the table, but why? The plan going forward uh, is three weeks, Mr. President, to get your uh, legal team together. And by the way, when it comes to the impeachment trial, we're not splitting the day between an agenda and impeachment. It's all impeachment all the time, really, in the middle of a pandemic with a president that's now at Mar-a-Lago. Number two. I join my fellow representatives in thanking the World Health Organization for its role in leading the global public health response. The United States will remain a member of the World Health Organization. Yeah, great job, WHO. It only got to 180 countries, and we still don't know how it started. What could be better? Anthony Fauci. The Fauci Follies and his quest to tackle the pandemic. Yesterday, he showed to be a partisan. The publicity hound has complimented the WHO and took endless veiled shot to Trump. When is he going to be held accountable for anything? This is the Biden bunch claimed there was no vaccine plan. Really? We're averaging 900,000 a day and a vaccine was made in nine months. Please. Number one. I think uh, the president is off to a very good start. And I think if we can give him the support that he needs in Congress, He can, in fact, be an extremely progressive president addressing the crises facing working families. This is the Bernie barometer. The happier he is, the more unhappy America should be. Whatever happened to the soothing centrists? Joe Biden's executive orders are great for a liberal agenda, not for jobs in the economy. They stopped drilling on federal land, stopped the wall, stopped the XL pipeline, prioritized illegal aliens. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, non-citizens? Those are just four examples of how Biden's EOs are hurting the people he pledged to bring together, the American people. Heck of a lot of jobs. Geraldo Rivera doesn't need a job. He's working for us. Hey, Geraldo. Hi, Brian. With, nice to see you. Missed you this morning. Uh, yeah, I'll be uh, back on Monday. But uh, we were able to talk oh, at night. on that 7 o'clock show, too. Uh, yeah, it's what's, we were able to. Jen Psaki took a big chunk of our time together. I apologize for that. Well, I knew that uh, might happen. Uh, that's live TV. But uh, you, you are doing it with confidence and with uh, an informed uh, uh, rap there that's, uh, I think, very balanced. And uh, biting at times, uh, I think you do an excellent job. And I like when I saw you in the field with that fellow who was pointing out the illogic of having this restaurant across the street closed and this one open. Uh, uh, he pointed out very vividly, I thought, what the, the problems facing officials trying to operate uh, 
and not operate uh, outfits and quell the epidemic that way. So, Geraldo, thank you. Dave Portnoy of Barstool, he's raised $30 million uh, for various businesses across the country. You pop in a video, you tell your story, and he puts you on a year payment plan. He's not just, here's $5,000. He puts you, he pays every month. And he's, you know, he wrote a $500,000 check himself, but... The rest has come from average Americans, $20 here, $100 there, and celebrities like Elon Musk and others. So it's uh, pretty impressive. And he does it on FaceTime. He'll just pop in, say, hey, are you such and such? I got news for you. Uh, You're getting a lot of money to stay open. Hey, I think the story is going to be getting these schools open, getting these businesses back while living with the virus. And if you're susceptible, you're susceptible. I think that's what I'm encouraged about what's in Joe Biden's proclamation on the pandemic. He said, I want these schools reopened. I'll provide money to make it happen. You have to reopen. But do you know in New York and in Chicago in particular and in Los Angeles, they're all pushing back. Yet the teachers have an opportunity to get vaccines. Well, the the private schools and the uh, parochial schools uh, here in Ohio, like much of the country, they either never closed or are operating uh, hybrid models, like my daughter Soul's school. Uh, I think that we'll, you know, we'll eventually look back and say we should have done uh, a little more of this or that. I like the idea of vaccinating the teachers. Uh, then uh, that takes the teachers' unions out of the equation and get them, uh, the public schools, on a level playing field with the private and the parochial. But uh, the safest place in America with four kids is going to be these schools, Brian. Yeah, so yesterday I was astounded. You're very skilled at handling a question. If you don't want to insult somebody, you can easily parry it, and most politicians can. I'm watching Anthony Fauci at a press conference by himself, and they're asking things like, what's the big difference? How hard was it working for Donald Trump? Very simple answer. Listen, I'm here to be, to beat this pandemic and get Americans back to work in any way I can. And that's what I'm going to do. Instead, well, it's good to be uh, it's good to be free. It's good to do this. And this is what bothered me most. He hopped on to and announced our re-entrance into the WHO, never citing the fact that we were never given a heads up as a planet about what was about to hit us, never a heads up on how to prepare with tests. And we were ill-prepared from the biggest country, the smallest countries, to know what was going to hit us because the WHO didn't know because they're kowtowing to China. Tell me this tone doesn't bother you. Cut 21. I join my fellow representatives in thanking the World Health Organization for its role in leading the global public health response to this pandemic. And as such, I am honored to announce that the United States will remain a member of the World Health Organization. Yesterday, President Biden signed letters retracting the previous administration's announcement to withdraw from the organization. And he called the leader there his dear friend. Uh, I'm looking at Newsweek. James Metzl writes a column. He's a member of the WHO and is an American. He says, new information about the origins of COVID-19 significantly strengthened the case for an accidental lab leak. New evidence makes it even more critical that China finally come clean and the origins of this virus known. The fact that China has destroyed evidence, silenced and imprisoned Chinese journalists and scientists, hidden the critical information from the WHO and engaged in a massive domestic and global misinformation campaign makes it abundantly clear that an investigation 
into the origins. Relying on Chinese transparency and goodwill cannot be considered credible. My goodness, if you are given the script to go we're going back in the WHO, how can you not bring up the fact that China is running that organization and they left us all naked to be killed? Well, I was uh, surprised at the tone of Dr. Fauci. I thought it was very partisan. Uh, his enthusiasm toward the WHO, I, I share your dismay and disdain. Uh, there is no doubt, as far as I recall, uh, about uh, the fact that the WHO uh, helped China propagate the lie that there was no person-to-person transmission of the virus for six long weeks. So for six weeks, uh, the United States and the other nations around the world were flying blind, uh, you know, not knowing that this disease was already uh, – uh, getting itself, uh, you know, interwoven into societies, uh, into travelers' bodies, spreading around the world. And, and the fact that the Chinese covered up the origins of it is infuriating to me. Uh, you cannot let them escape the ultimate responsibility. It is a China virus. I, I, I don't like the label like, because I have Asian friends who get a little uh, uh, itchy about it uh, and I, in deference to them. However, China itself, the nation, uh, and its leaders, there is no doubt but that they exacerbated what became a historic tragedy. We have over 400,000 dead in those six weeks. We could have armed ourselves against it. Uh, you know, they did not uh, in, any, in any way uh, rise to the occasion. I thought that the president's, uh, maybe the withdrawal, uh, I don't know, that's politics. I, I, I think that's uh, uh, a little less important. I, I thought that Fauci's tone, though, a little bit too triumphant. Oh, I know. Uh, and, uh, and a little too insulting to the administration. Uh, Donald Trump's administration, which uh, which everyone agrees, but for them, we would not, but for Operation Warp Speed, we would not even have this damn vaccine right now, Brian. Here is uh, here's Ron Klain, the new chief of staff of the president of the United States. By the way, we're just getting breaking news. Uh, Chuck Schumer saying the House will transmit their articles of impeachment. Remember, it was an emergency. It was an emergency. Uh, that'll be on Monday, so a couple of days. And then the president, Mitch McConnell, saying we need a few weeks to get his defense together. Evidently, he has calmed down in his opposition to Trump. But here's Ron Klain, cut 18. I noticed today Dr. Fauci uh, at the uh, press conference was invited to share your rhetoric and to share Joe Biden's rhetoric and say that the work done prior to now was a disaster. He didn't do that. Dr. Fauci uh, does not use the same language in talking about what's been done up to now. Is is your rhetoric in conflict with what Dr. Fauci actually has accomplished himself? Look, I think Dr. Fauci's done a magnificent job at every step of the way. He's been right. His off His advice was often ignored. Most importantly, we know he went months without seeing the president of the United States. His, his advice was especially ignored, I guess, during that period of time. Dr. Fauci is a doctor. He's a scientist. He's the best one we have in the country. He's not a politician. And he doesn't want to get involved in political disputes between administrations. Right. Uh, by the way, the question was the total misinterpretation of the press conference, number one. Number two, he's been wrong. He was on with John Castamatidis, who owns WABC and Gristides and D'Agostino's and a million refineries. And he, and he said the pandemic is not going to be a problem here. He told us not to wear masks for two months. Uh, and he was wrong about – and by the way, he was called out by Dr. McClory here and Scott Gottlieb, who tried urgently to call him to say that we are misdiagnosing. We're getting ready for SARS, and this is something different. 
So to say he's every step, right every step of the way is not accurate. If he's leading us, we're in trouble. If I may, Brian, I, I have to say something first about impeachment. Uh, I think it is a, I, I, I wanted the president to be impeached. The president deserved to be impeached for inciting that riot. I thought that he unleashed that crowd. And in the circumstances, uh, the, all those facts and circumstances, he, he definitely committed, I thought, an impeachable offense. However, he is no longer in office. Impeachment exists to remove a politician from a position uh, f- forcefully. Uh, if the, the politician has done something uh, that uh, is an, an impeachable offense, high crime or misdemeanor, let's say President Trump did that, but then he left office he, on uh, January 20th. He was no longer the president. Impeachment exists to get you out of office. Why I have know. an impeachment trial if you're already out of office? That issue is moot. There is the Senate has no standing to try citizen Trump. And I think that the uh, president's legal team should make that the fight. They should fight. Don't get into the substance of it. Fight the jurisdictional aspect of it. Fight that all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has to rule on my theory that uh, the issue is moot, that impeachment exists to remove someone from office, and he's already out of office. Therefore, there should be no impeachment trial. I think the Supreme Court has to rule on that. Back to the issue of— And, the and by, can, can I just finish up on, on impeachment? Sure. I, I actually think he definitely shouldn't have had this speech in retrospect, and even at the time I said it two days prior. In fact, it even made headlines when it said, Brian Kilmeade said it'll be anarchy if you have a rally at the same time the Electoral College is being gaveled in. So I would say that. Having said that, if we're going to if every time you get a crowd pumped up and they go and do something unsavory, turn over cars, turn over buildings because of how they interpreted your speech, we're in trouble. And I don't think there's any thought of from Don Jr. to Don Sr. that they were going to go in and they were going to try to uh, take out all these lawmakers and do the damage and steal the laptops. He wanted them over there to have their voices heard, like they protest everything, especially on anything Roe v. Wade. I, I don't, don't think he I wanted to breach that. the building. I don't buy your sterilized. Uh, no, you think the president wanted to breach them to breach the building? I, I think that when you yell fire in a crowded theater, you've got to expect a stampede. But he wasn't in. He what wasn't did, in a crowded theater. He was totally. They, they were outside. What did they expect those people to do once they got to the Capitol? Stand on the outside and protest like they do every day there? Have a picnic? It, it, was, uh, uh, it was obvious. It was, it was like a scene from Les Mis. Storm the barricades. Uh, I saw it, and I thought it was horrible. I don't see but any I, Broadway plays. But again, the, my, my fight, and I think that this is the one that's the winner, and everyone succeeds because then you don't, the Democrats don't look like they've dropped the ball. The Republicans don't look that they're necessarily overly protecting someone who is culpable, uh, Donald Trump. If you just say that he has, there is no right for the Senate to try someone who's a private citizen. Where does it say I know, I know. you can have an impeachment trial of a private citizen? It's not in the Constitution. The I don't. Constitution I don't have a to remove a president. I don't have a legal background, but I watch a lot of shows on television where people play lawyers. <laughs> so this is what I would say. 
If you start unwinding this case and see the role of these groups, the Proud Boys, whatever they're called, I don't want to give them additional attention, three main groups, plotting and planning. They even know where it was happening. They had radios. They had outfits. They knew exactly where to go. Then you realize there was no way you were interpreting that from a Donald Trump speech. And then you look back and you say, if you're Donald Trump, can you please name me the time in which his crowds committed violence? They're usually the ones getting beat up. But as you said, leading up to the event, as you as you so with such vivid foresight said it, there was going to be anarchy. So did I. There was only one thing that could have happened at that Trump rally, and that was disorder. And there's only a question of degree. And, and I'm talking about not uh, January 6th or January 5th or January 4th. I'm talking about when he started talking yeah. about going to Washington second or third week in December, he ginned up that crowd all that time, gave all of those uh, co-conspirators plenty of time to get their anarchy together. But, but, I, but I those aren't Trump is, supporters. Any, I, any I Trump supporter would never touch them, a cop. I want them all busted. Right. I want, everyone Her, <laughs> I want you to have a great weekend, Geraldo. The music's going to get louder and cut us off. Back in a moment. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. Howard, listen on WABC in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Howard. Yeah, hi, Brian. I uh, listen to your show all the time Thank and you. on TV and everywhere, and uh, love everything you do. Uh, I object big time to Geraldo implying that the president is a co-conspirator. And that the rules for him are different from everybody else. Yep. You know, everybody else can call for all these things, and it just really bothers me. And then one other small point I'd like to make. I also object to your treating Chris Wallace as some kind of objective journalist. In other words, he at this point has become a uh, Democratic partisan. And uh, uh, it just seems to me he's a uh, uh, never-Trumper. He's not one. He's not a journalist anymore. He's well, we're going to say, uh, I don't think he's a never-Trumper. Howard, thanks for the call. And here's what I would say. I disagree with Geraldo. Uh, with Chris Wallace, I disagree. One of the, I don't think it was the best, uh, the best speech I ever heard. Uh, Chris Wallace will show you how good he is over the next four years when he starts skewering the Bidens as hard as he did the Obamas. And he got in a brawl with Bill Clinton, you remember. You sit there with a little smirk on your face. Um, and that's his approach. But I, I'm, I'm, I am friends with him. It doesn't mean you have to agree with someone all the time to not be friends with him. And I think he's a really good broadcaster. Um, but I understand people disagree. But I just think that if you do this for a living, you realize how good he is. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
The president needs to be held accountable for his incitement of that mob to come and attack this building and try to disrupt our government. Uh, that is just the reality. I think the House did the right thing in impeaching the president a second time. They've sent it, they will be sending it over to us in a day or two, I imagine. Uh, we have to decide how to work it into a very busy calendar, but it is a priority. Yeah, good uh, for nobody. Uh, Senator Dick Durbin wants to make sure the Republican Party stays fractured, in my opinion. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer said on Friday that Speaker Pelosi told him that the articles of impeachment will be delivered on Monday. So paving the way for a trial. Mitch McConnell said yesterday the president needs two to three weeks to get his legal team together. He's already named a lead attorney because of it. But they haven't even investigated this. The FBI doesn't even know what happened, but you're going to blame the president for it. This is going to be fascinating and a distraction. Joining me now is Shannon Bream, Fox News legal correspondent, anchor of uh, Fox News at night at 11, author of Finding the Bright Side. has got another book coming out in the spring. Shannon, welcome. Great to be with you, Brian. Happy so, Friday. Uh, same to you. I was surprised by this. Are you? Monday? Yeah, they were sort of hemming and hawing, and yeah. now it's like, okay, we've got our plan together, and it's full speed ahead. Um, you know, we've been talking about the speculation and what the timing would be on this, and whether Democrats would let it go and say, all right, he's gone. The whole process of impeachment, the wording of it is to uh, eject someone essentially from office. He's gone. Um, you know, they're going to do it, but I, I, we've talked about this before. I think they run the possibility of making him more empathetic. And actually, um, you know, engendering sympathy for the GOP in general. A couple of things. I mean, what I think this is is pure politics. Let's continue to keep the Liz Cheney faction separated from the uh, Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan faction. Let's continue to offer uh, uh, ethics investigations for Senator Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz and Jim Jordan and the hundred plus uh, that would uh, that have voted to to challenge the Electoral College. What does that do? It effectively keeps the Republicans going at each other. Mm-hmm. It stops them from moving forward with a counter agenda, perhaps. And Mitch McConnell, I understand, has been ca- talked off the ledge. I think that he has been told, listen, calm down, Mitch. Be, be calculated uh, and be smart about this. And he said this. This is what I expect he's going to announce. If you want to do this, we do nothing else. So I didn't have a soundbite. I wanted you to pick up where I left off. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, I, I just think that, um, you know, you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. You can't just say, like, okay, we're going to roll over and do everything the Democrats want to do. I mean, the GOP's got to make some decisions, They, you know, to say, okay, we'll, all, we'll, we'll go along with the impeachment trial. Some of us will probably vote for it. And we will also give you all of your nominees. I mean, Mitch McConnell is a way better tactician than that, as we've seen for decades. So I got to think there's going to be more to that conversation. Yeah, I want you to hear what Rand Paul said, 34. 34. My fear is that if Republicans, particularly Republican leadership, goes along with this impeachment, they'll destroy the party. And so I think it's a huge mistake. I think it's a hugely partisan exercise on the part of the Democrats. But for Republicans who go along with it, I think they'll destroy our party. Donald Trump isn't everything in the party, but he did bring a lot of people to the party. And I think it's a huge mistake for people to say, oh, well, we're just going to impeach him. So what does this look like, Shannon? Because we don't know exactly 
who was in the Capitol. We know there's been a series of arrests. The FBI can't even tell you exactly what took place yet. So when the Senate trial takes place, they're not going to be stalking any generalities, are they? They're going to be saying, here's what the president said. Here's what he didn't say. Here's what happened in the building. These people are supporters. No, they're a member of Proud Boys. They're not. Oh, they are. Proud Boys likes Trump. No, they don't. I have quotes that says they don't. The Boogaloo Boys like Trump. Well, I got some that says they don't. What Trump supporter would ever hit a cop, let alone kill a cop with a fire extinguisher? None. What kind of violence have been with the Trump crowds? Almost none. So we're going to have an interesting trial unless unless I'm missing some nuance to the approach here. Well, think about the House wasted no time. I mean, this thing got through in one day. So there wasn't, you know, there were no committee None. investigations. There were no presentation of witnesses. So, you know, I mean, that people would say was purely political because it was rushed through. And you have to worry that you demean the process of impeachment because you want to use it when people are really bad men and women. I mean, you don't want to just like, you know, the, the Republican freshman who's now introduced impeachment against uh, President Biden. You can't play around with this stuff. I mean, it needs to be used for a serious situation. For somebody that you need to get out of the way because they're imperiling the country, um, you know, Trump is gone. But the Democrats will, if they force this, make Republicans take very unpleasant votes because we all know, and as you've talked about, there's a split within the party about which way to go on this, how far to distance yourself from President Trump or to stay close to President Trump. So if they force this to a vote in the Senate, it's going to be a tough vote for Republicans to say, no way, this is ridiculous. I am going to you know, stand by President Trump and we're going to move forward. Or those who may peel off and say, no, I want nothing to do with him. I don't want it to be associated with the riots. Um, and I think people are very afraid. You know, you're lumping in 74 million people with the horrible people who did the stuff in the Capitol who may or may not have been you know, there to support the president or to make his supporters look bad. Probably a combo of those people. I mean, it was disaster all, all around for Republicans. I mean, if you think about the Trump in particular, uh, he has lost a lot. I mean, he has lost people that are signed up for his clubs. He's losing banks uh, that if he had just lost on November 5th would have probably been there for him. And now there's people who say, you know, I don't. Yeah, he was selling the Trump name and the brand. Now a lot of people are saying I, it's really defiled, at least for now. I'm going to take that down let alone the people, you know, the money he lost just because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, and a lot of people associated with President Trump now are being told, don't even apply for a job. Forbes magazine comes out and says, you should not hire any of these people or we're going to sully your company. Yeah. I mean, we've had countless people on, you guys have too, of people who say I had a job. It was yanked back. I wasn't even anywhere near the Capitol. It's just because I worked for Trump or there are pictures of me in a MAGA hat or I did go to Washington, but I stayed down by the Washington Monument. I mean, um, when you have entire groups who are openly saying we're putting together enemies lists, we're going after everybody. I mean, that just doesn't sound like America. We can disagree about things. Yes, you go after every person who breached the Capitol who um, trespassed, who committed crimes, who hurt police officers. Like, everyone agrees on that. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't agree on that. But to say that you're going to be punished and sort of shunned from society uh, and you can't work and you can't feed your family because you supported a president that other people didn't like, that's, that's terrifying. I mean, that's not America. Now how about the fact that Josh Hawley, who did challenge the electoral process, uh, and then the insurgency happened, he went back on it, so the uh, rising star has hit some turbulence, maybe not with the right, but with the middle and the left. So the, he lost his deal with, uh, with Random House. And here's what he said yesterday as he got a new deal with a conservative publisher called uh, Re- uh, Regory. 
Cut 44. Well, I've learned, Tucker, that what these corporations want, and unfortunately what many on the left want, is control. And they don't want unity. We hear a lot of talk now about unity, but sadly, I think they don't want unity. They want control. Yeah. And they want you to have the same opinions, voice the same opinions, toe the party line. And if you don't, then they're willing to use every power at their disposal to shut you down. That's what they've been trying to do with many, many conservatives. And it's not just me. It's many, many conservatives. And that's why, for those of us who believe in the First Amendment, believe in the right of free speech in the Constitution, we have to take a stand. And we can't allow this to happen. So he is. He's not backing off. It's interesting, him and Ted Cruz in... Um you know, are are under attack now from from the left. Where do you think this is going, these ethics complaints? Well, I mean, are you going to go back and file ethics complaints against Democratic members who did this in the past? I mean, if that's Barbara the Boxer. standard that you shouldn't be doing it, are, what are you going to go after? I mean, and on the House side, there have been people like, I believe, uh, Jamie Raskin and some other um, Democratic Congress people have done this kind of thing. So, I, you know, how do you not say that they were violating ethics or that, you know, it was okay then, but it's not okay now? I mean, the thing is, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz are two of the smartest attorneys I've ever met. So I don't worry about them. I think they're going to be fine in defending themselves and they'll have good legal counsel. But it just, for the American people, for anybody who's into this stuff, we're a little bit wonky inside the beltway with it. It's just a perfect example of hypocrisy. They're going after Republicans for things their own members have done. And every time they release one of these uh, press releases, like accusing Republican members of leading reconnaissance missions with zero evidence that they've been able to present, at least so far, I mean, this stuff just gets more and more outrageous. And if you could kick people out of the Senate for using a, a pathway that is provided for in the Constitution and has been used for Democrats, I don't know where that leaves us. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. Uh, I was a little, I was a little shocked yesterday by Anthony Fauci, re, uh, his remarks he made. And you know, Shannon, if you were sitting there behind the podium and someone asked you about your former employer, and even if you dislike that person, you don't want to answer, it's easy to do. I'm here looking forward. I'm focusing on the job I have at hand. The difference between politics and the administration is something you guys can talk about. I'm not going to talk about it. Instead, he was almost smugly insinuating that he was held hostage over the last few years. And then he gets elected. Uh, he gets elected this morning, by the way, I watched him and he basically said Donald Trump is responsible for the death of people. He gives himself no responsibility about the pandemic, not being ready for it, not telling us to wear masks, saying it would be no problem. He blames Trump on that on CNN after doing a nighttime CNN, after doing a press conference for an hour. Listen to how he panders to the WHO. Cut 21. I join my fellow representatives in thanking the World Health Organization for its role in leading the global public health response to this pandemic. And as such, I am honored to announce that the United States will remain a member of the World Health Organization. And he compliments them on the job they did. 130 nations are overrun with the pandemic. The U.K. announced they're not even going to open up into the summer. And he's complimenting them, heralding his, our re-entrance there. Meanwhile, a member of the WHO, an American doctor, Jamie Metzl, writes in Newsweek today 
that the new information about the origins of the COVID-19 virus significantly strengthened the case for an accidental lab leak. The new evidence makes it even more critical that China finally come clean. The fact that China destroyed evidence, silenced and imprisoned Chinese journalists, uh, hidden the critical information from the WHO and engaged in a massive domestic and global misinformation campaign makes it abundantly clear that an investigation into the origins of COVID-19 relying on the Chinese transparency and goodwill cannot be credible. These are the facts, and we're kissing their butts, and we're going back in with no demands into an organization that China commands. I mean, this is so uh, this is this is so disturbing. I can't put words to it. But don't you think it's very much this feeling of President Trump was such a disruptor. He didn't want to play nice or play by the rules of the establishment or what they had ever done on the world stage or here domestically either. I mean, he was not a politician, so he saw the flaws in a lot of these organizations and treaties and agreements and was like, these don't make any sense. We're getting out of them. I think um, – establishment Washington feels like they're back in power. We're just going to go back to the old way of doing things. And that, you know, we play nice with these organizations uh, on the international stage, even if we aren't really sure that they're very good for America, we have to play nice and do the game. You know, it's like with NATO and everything else. I mean, uh, President Trump just went in there and sort of dropped bombs on everything, not literally, but saying, you're not paying for this. You're not doing your part. We're carrying everybody. I mean, he just spoke a lot of truth to power that people didn't like. Um, But I feel like here in Washington, there's very much the norm that feels very comfortable being a part of these organizations and saying everything's fine and not wanting to um, ruffle feathers. And I think that's where we're going to be under a Biden administration. They feel like it's more peaceful. It's more classy that um, America has, quote, repair to do on the international stage. And I think there are millions of people in the United States who don't feel that way. Well, I got to get you out of Washington. Uh, But by the way, we have a a, because I don't like those people. They're not like you. You're too nice. I want you to hear what Chuck Schumer just said about the articles of impeachment being delivered on Monday and what we where we go from here. Air trial. But make no mistake. There will be a trial. And when that trial ends, senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John Donald John Trump incited the erection insurrection against the United States. Right. I'm not sure. Did he do both those things? Or? I was hoping you weren't going to play that. Yeah. I just I need a oh. professional advice on how to handle this because I'm not <laughs> sure. How much how much are we blaming Donald Trump for? Uh, well, like you said, I mean, there are actually standards, legal standards that you'd have to walk through. Um, and there are a lot of people who've said, listen, we have evidence that a lot of this stuff that happened. Uh, a lot of stuff at the Capitol was planned before people got there that day, that there were bad actors, that there were people who were determined to do harm. Um, and there, and you'll have to legally look at how much that connects to the words that came out of President Trump's mouth. That day he said peacefully, you know, make your presence known, that kind of thing. Um, so, listen, there are legal standards. They'll have to walk through it. I just think they're going to have to actually walk through the actual event. And it's something the FBI cannot even recount yet. So if you want to talk about who did it and what they did, they had radios and earpieces. Uh, They hit a cop. There's not one incident I can remember of any Donald Trump supporter hitting any law enforcement official ever. And then if you're going to hold people to the standards where whatever they do when they leave your event, if they do something violent, it's your fault. That's an interesting standard because 
If you look at the history, Donald Trump should be pretty proud of his history of people and violence. As you know, they're usually the ones getting beat up after these events. Remember the RNC? They left the White House and they were being harassed. You ask Rand Paul if Trump people are violent or it's the other side that's violent. I wasn't blaming Bernie Sanders when they almost killed, uh, I don't know, anybody that was, when when all the Republicans were almost killed, especially Steve Scalise, when they practiced softball. I think that's the avenue you pursue. I told them to go and demonstrate. I had no idea they'd even be able to, let alone actually go ahead and do and breach the security there. Final thought? Uh, You know, listen, they're going to have the trial in the Senate because they want to put not only him on the the hot seat, which, listen, you would think they'd want to quit talking about him and obsessing over him now that he's gone. But I think it is mostly about trying to put Republicans in a place to have to take a very uncomfortable vote. Nothing's uncomfortable about your appearance here, Shannon. Thanks so much. I love it. Every Friday. All right. Uh, thank you. Shannon Bream will watch you tonight. And, of course, I'll be on tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all. And that was it. He'd finished with 755, and for my money, is the all-time home run leader. By, uh, Barry Bonds clearly was juicing. So Hank Aaron dies at 86. It's sad news. His daughter let everybody know he was an icon. Retired in 1982. Spent the majority of his career with the Milwaukee and Atlanta Braves from 54 to 74. Just a classy individual. You know, uh, here's an interesting uh, fact between Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Babe Ruth. They both started and ended their careers. Same city, different teams. Next, Andrew Jackson's relatives split over the portrait's removal from office. He never had any blood relatives. Maybe he was talking about his, uh, I don't know, that guess his adopted son's kids. Jackson's great-great-grandson, Andy Jackson, says he's unhappy. He thinks his great-grandpa should be in there because Joe Biden took it down, as you know. Howard Keitel, the president and CEO of Jackson's former plantation turned museum, says he was disappointed to leave. Uh, evidently, a, a great-great-great-granddaughter. Barbara Jackson does not approve of Jackson's life. Next, Little Wayne thanked President Trump for his 11th hour pardon. That's pretty cool. And we continue. Dave Chappelle tests positive of COVID-19. Hope he feels better. And just four ounces of fried food raises the risk of major heart disease and stroke. That is why we should not eat any fried food. Centauri, uh, I apologize, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Goodbye, Popeyes. I'd like to live. I'm Brian Kilmeade. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening. Truly honored. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice.
Brian Kilmeade. I come to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, this hour, we'll be joined by Rick Grinnell, the former ambassador to Germany. Uh, and, of course, that was my native tongue. I took three years of Germany in high school, and it's, it's the language I feel most comfortable with. Uh, Rick Grinnell will talk about that and his time as director of national intelligence. He is uh, going to be talking about the foreign policy that we're witnessing, the impeachment articles we understand, according to Chuck Schumer, are going to be handed over to Nancy Pelosi. will hand them to the Senate on Monday, and then we're going to get a trial probably three weeks from then because Mitch McConnell says Donald Trump needs about two to three weeks to get his defense together. Word is, I think Republicans getting a little fed up, and they will not split their job description. They will keep it in, They will keep it impeachment all the time. If they want impeachment on a president that's golfing, go ahead. Now, this just in, Twitter has finally reached their threshold of tolerance when it comes to the Ar- uh, Iran Supreme Allied Commander, excuse me, Supreme Ayatollah and Commander. Remember in the past when Jack Dorsey was asked uh, why you haven't taken down uh, Khomeini's Twitter account, he says, we believe it's important for everyone to hear from global leaders. Later, he would take down one of his global leaders that lives in the United States called President Trump. But now he says... Um, This tweet put him over the top. Those who order the murder of General Soleimani, as well as those who carried this out, should be punished. The revenge will certainly happen at the right time. And there was a picture of somebody who looked like Donald Trump on a golf course. Now you're going to take that down. Facebook will vote today on whether to put the president back up. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Speaker Pelosi will determine when she will send the articles over. But make no mistake about it, there will be a trial, there will be a vote up or down on whether to convict the president. I believe he should be convicted. Uh, we always thought that, Chuck. In fact, you never thought he should have been president, but we now know this. We move the story forward. Impeachment uh, articles sent on Monday. It was so urgent. Impeachment, yes, still on the table. Why would they ever do this? If the president does want to get things done, how does this help? Number two. I join my fellow representatives in thanking the World Health Organization, for its role in leading the global public health response. Yes, it's gone so well, the public health response. 130 countries have it. They never told us what it was. They never told us what tests to have ready or there was asymptomatic spread. Great job, WHO. Fauci follies in the quest to tackle this pandemic. Yesterday, he showed to be the political partisan he is. The publicity hound has complimented the WHO, took endless veiled shots to the Trump team. When is he going to be held accountable? Last night, he was on Chris Cuomo and back on the morning show on CNN. Does he have anything better to do? Can we get a vaccine? Number one. I think uh, the president is off to a very good start. And I think if we can give him the support that he needs in Congress he can, in fact, be an extremely progressive president right. addressing the crises facing if working Ber- If families. Bernie Sanders is happy, I'm not. What happened to the soothing centrist? Joe Biden's executive orders are great for a liberal agenda, not for jobs or the economy. They stopped drilling. They stopped the wall. They stopped the XL pipeline. Prioritize illegal aliens. I mean non-citizens. These are just four examples of Joe Biden's EOs. Joining me now to make sense of it all because she makes sense, Kennedy, co-host of uh, outnumbered at 12 today and a host of the Kennedy show featuring her. Hi. Brian, kill me. How do you do it? Are you doing Fox and Friends all week? No. Oh, good. I, I was actually worried about you because uh, your your 7 o'clock show has been phenomenal. I get to watch oh, it you. every night when I'm in hair and makeup. And all I do is I watch what you're doing 
and I copy it, and then I do it an hour later. Only with a girl's voice. Exactly right. And the, and the dress, because they make me wear one. Right. Uh, they do not make me wear those anymore, because the wardrobe deal is kind of on hold for the moment. Um, well, uh, Kennedy, a couple of things are going. We have a lot to talk about tonight. I don't know how we're going to knock it down to an hour, but as you have alluded to, uh, while you were getting ready for your show, I've been on every night at 7 o'clock. I do not know how we're going to narrow it down because, first off, I was so enraged listening to Anthony Fauci's press conference yesterday as he he took every opportunity to rip Trump when he easily could have skated around and said, I don't do politics. Here's here's where we're at. He said it was basically he says he feels liberated while kissing the butt of the WHO, who is taking their marching orders from China who unleashed this virus and still haven't told us where it started. Your witness. I, it would be like going to a doctor for something incredibly serious like cancer and uh, being desperate for answers and having the doctor talk about uh, how great he is and asking you how nice does his tie look. It's, uh, it's very, very distracting and uh, unnecessary and unprofessional. Calls the head of uh, WHO, uh, Dr. Tedros Adhanom, a dear friend. Fantastic. Could that dear friend told us how the hell this pandemic happened? What kind of tests to have ready? Uh, Could they have told us why they take answers from China? I mean, in his script, could he have put in China's uh, ducking and dodging when it comes to the origin of this virus is unacceptable. Their way that they've denied WHO access to the Wuhan lab cannot be tolerated. We will enter back into the WHO under this criteria that both those things change. You could have had it all then, but instead we don't. So I've talked enough about that, but I also have never seen someone more hungry for publicity in the medical profession He's on with Chris Cuomo this morning. He's saying that Donald Trump costs lives. Really? In a global pandemic, you're trying to pin that on one person and one administration. A hundred percent unnecessary. Yes. And there's no doubt that uh, the president's response to COVID could absolutely have been better. Um, And it remains to be seen how President Biden is going to handle what he has inherited, uh, but what you cannot overstate is the incredible success of Operation Warp Speed. And um, yeah, and I, you know, I'm curious what part Dr. Fauci played in that. Was he a naysayer? Was he one of the people <laughs> going, "Oh, we're going too fast. You know, maybe we should slow down with these vaccines"? Did that happen in spite of him? Uh, and if it happened. With his help, then then he should be talking about how great that is in the future application of streamlining the approval process. Uh, Kennedy, my guest. Uh, Kennedy, I could not be more disappointed with the executive orders that have come out. Uh, the Keystone Pipeline is uh, is on hold again. That would be 830,000 barrels of crude that even liberal Canadians were in support of that were pro-green energy. Uh, there was 10,000 union jobs to be done. We were going to buy the steel from America. If we are going to get the oil from Canada, our number one oil producer, that we import more from them from anybody else, we now going to have to do it by ship, by rail, or by truck. It's going to contribute to 20 to 20 to 42 percent higher emissions rate. Don't tell me this is green-oriented. This is pure politics. And then the wall that is built, the pallets, the ballots that are made, they're going to have to be stored or destroyed. We're going to have to pay fees to break the contract. 
All this is done costing 5,000 jobs. How is this guy in our corner? Yes, and then uh, Jen Psaki, when she was asked about that, was very vague and said, you know, well, President Biden really likes green jobs. It's like, well, who doesn't like green jobs? But they don't just magically appear. He doesn't have a, a little presidential wand where he goes, bibbidi bobbidi boop and then all of a sudden these jobs appear. That's, that's not how it works, but they can disappear very quickly with actions like this. And that's why you have to be careful because we are not off fossil fuels yet. And forcing this is you know, really reckless for the economy and people have already lost their jobs. People already lost everything from the pandemic. So virtue signaling may feel good to people who have lifelong pensions, but it feels like garbage to people who are now going to have to go on every form of public assistance. I want you to hear what happened uh, a short time ago when Senator Schumer was asked about impeachment. This is the news he broke. I've spoken to Speaker Pelosi, who informed me that the articles will be delivered to the Senate on Monday. Now, I've heard some of my Republican colleagues argue that this trial would be unconstitutional because Donald Trump is no longer in office. An argument that has been roundly repudiated, debunked by hundreds of constitutional scholars, left, right, and center, and defies basic common sense. Right, common sense. When a guy's golfing, throw him out. When a guy leaves, tell him he has to go. So first off, your reaction to this, is this exactly what the country needs? No, and and this is, you know, Chuck Schumer is the most vociferous person in terms of demanding impeachment. And I I really think they should have gone for a censure. I think it would have, believe it or not, carried more weight here. Um, And it would have made the president look less like a victim. But all they're doing is uh, stoking an already angry base. And it is the opposite of unifying the country. And it's like, yeah, a lot of people are mad at the president. A lot of people are really disgusted. Uh, you know, most people, a vast majority, more than most, were disgusted by uh, the Capitol riots and the insurgency. But this is a distraction from that. This is actually taking the conversation away from where it should be, trying to figure out how we don't get to that point in the future. And with this impeachment, it, it's kind of the opposite direction you need to go. It's unbelievable uh, that we that the president, I mean, the way the president acted over the last two or three months, I can never subscribe to and say, good move. I thought the whole thing obviously was a mistake. Even having the riot the day of the Electoral College and putting the pressure on the vice president and who's been so loyal to him. But this stuff's been gone over already. To move forward with this, I think is folly. And I think this is how it could blow up. If you look at what happened, if you're going to hold the actions of a crowd who you spoke to, if you have to be responsible for them, Kennedy, if you go out and you talk negatively in theory about X, Y, and Z, and someone goes out and acts on what you discussed, now the charge is going to be on you? Is that every politician is going to be responsible for people who say they acted on the behest of a politician? I don't think Donald Trump wanted everyone to go in there and breach the security of the perimeter of the Capitol. Here's what Ted Cruz said, cut 31. President Biden gave really soaring rhetoric about unity, about coming together. And, and it seems that Senate Democrats, the response that they have to that is they want to start the new Congress, the very first thing, with, with a vindictive and punitive impeachment trial. I, I don't think that reflects the priorities of the American people. We had a lot of work to do.
I thought so. Uh, like, for example, uh, immigration reform with no border security. That's an interesting approach. Uh, yes, especially when you're going to increase the uh, the welfare state. You can't have it both ways. You really can't. And, you know, the, the libertarian view is if you want immigration, fine. But you have to uh, end most forms of welfare. Uh, Kennedy, who do you have uh, on Outnumbered today? Do you know the topics? Have you approved them? Uh, I have approved the topics. I've given some notes. And uh, it's going to be a great, great show. Really? Uh, and who are the other people on it? That's a fine question. You I read have no the topics idea, before I read who's actually on it. Let's see. I'm thinking one man. You know, oh, oh, it's Harris, Jillian, Leslie Marshall, Bill Bennett, and me. Bill Bennett's smart. He's very smart. And yeah. he has a degree in philosophy, which is why I like him. Right. I can never imagine trying for that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of weird thinking. That's right. the only way I can describe ah. it. Yeah. You've got be, gotta be a weird thinker. Right. I mean, if you want to introduce him like that, uh, Bill, joining us now, Bill Bennett. He has a philosophy degree, which means he's a weird thinker. Bill. <laughs> Your thoughts. <laughs> right. Well, um, I have to go. I know. I'm sad. Right. Uh, have a great show tonight. I will be watching. You've done a phenomenal job all week. Thank you. Um, I, I vote I vote Kilmeade in this and every election. Hey, uh, Kennedy, can I just ask you how you get your podcast? Uh, yes. You go. Thank you for asking. You go to foxnewspodcast.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. My podcast is Kennedy Saves the World. All right. That's a lot to do, but I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you, Kennedy. <laughs> Uh, back with you, calls in a moment, one 408 You're not going to believe it, but according to reports, it looks like a lot of President Trump's foreign policy was so bad that Joe Biden's keeping it. I'm being sarcastic. They like it. They announced some success for it. I'm going to talk to Ambassador Rick Grinnell about it. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I believe that the president's climate vision will create more jobs on that. And I think it's going to be very important to work with him and work with Congress to make sure that we can deliver on that promise, too, that on net, more good-paying union jobs will be created in the context of the climate and infrastructure work that we have before us uh, than uh, has been impacted by other decisions. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good-paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. Right. Of course, if you could build a pipeline, you can code, or uh, I guess you could uh, you could do something that has nothing to do with your uh, level of skills. So uh, there's a guy that never has to worry about a job, appreciate his Ivy League education, appreciate his service, but he's on a steady job. He's going to get paid regardless. So if you're set to do, build the XL pipeline, if you're set to be a steel worker, uh, if you're set to put up a wall over the next few months, you said, honey, good news. For two years, it's going to take me forever to build this wall through another 350 miles. We're okay. But wait, a new president? 
All that stuff is done. But he's pro-union. Don't worry about it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. 900,000 people applied first-time unemployment benefits. There's no way he'd get rid of those jobs. Not only did Joe Biden did it, do it, he got rid of it in the first day. The first day. And that's your transportation secretary. You're very below-average mayor from South Bend. Gary, listen to WIBW. Hey, Gary. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, well, while we're playing wag the dog with this impeachment uh, stuff, I cleaned that up for you. Uh, we're out here trying to pass a HR. What was it? I forget the number now. But they're trying to pass a new bill that's going to add 30 percent to the purchase of a gun in the way of a tax and 50 percent to the price of ammunition in the way of a tax. And then they're, they want to do uh, with this same bill. They're trying to uh, uh, register everybody with a gun. Where are they doing this? The, the House. The House has got a bill right now they're working on. Well, uh, so I'm told. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, horrific. And I hear right now, tax or not, it's very hard to get ammo across the country. There's a lot of people that hunt, and, and many of them are the, that don't are trying to destroy it for other people that do. And when you, if you can't take people's guns, you take their ammo. And that's what's going on across the country. So uh, elections have consequences. These are the people that are now gr- just barely in power. I'm talking about the House and Senate. People got to listen to Gary from Kansas, whether you're a gun man or not, or woman, and say, is that right? So they take it away your freedom of speech. They'll ban you if they don't like the party you're in and the president you support. They'll ban you if your ability to write books with every major publisher. And now they're going to take away your Second Amendment. Fantastic. Incredible. So listen, when we come back, I'm going to jump by Rick Grinnell. I'm going to talk about the foreign policy, which suddenly Joe Biden is not that critical of. He's talking about leaving the capital, recognizing the capital of Jerusalem for Israel. He's talking about keeping the tariffs on China. He's also talking about the Nord Stream 2, that, that gas line that goes through Germany. He says, let's continue to protest that and push to stop that, as well as Huawei. Maybe Trump knew something. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, the president uh, has all, has made clear uh, that he believes that through follow-on diplomacy, the United States should seek to lengthen and strengthen nuclear constraints on Iran and address other issues of concern. Uh, Iran must resume compliance with significant nuclear constraints under the deal uh, in order for that to proceed. I will say that, uh, as I noted a little bit earlier, um, we would expect that some of his earlier conversations uh, with foreign counterparts or foreign leaders will be with partners and allies, um, and that we would certainly anticipate that this would be part of the discussion.
the Iran deal was never popular. It was never well-crafted. It was never popular with Democrats. They, I think he barely got 40 votes in the Senate. That's why he didn't put up for a vote in the Senate. I'm talking about President Obama. So when Donald Trump came in, he gave it a year and said, I'm tearing this up. This thing's a mess. Put on extreme sanctions. Europe did not come along. A man that knew that because he was in Europe at the time, Ambassador Rick Grinnell, former director of national intelligence. Ambassador, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, welcome back. What a great job you did in both places, a real force in Europe for America. And then at DNI, you made a huge impact. I know the president truly appreciated it. He made it known wherever he went. So first off, could you bring us back to when the president walked away from the Paris climate, excuse me, not the Paris climate deal, that's one thing, but the Iranian deal, how it was received in Europe? Yeah, you know, there there actually is a lot of misinformation in the United States about this because I think we have a media that is really hellbent on looking at issues, whether they're black or white, and the nuance doesn't sell. The nuance doesn't get clicks, and so therefore we've got all these young partisans in Washington that, that uh, really focus, I think, on the extreme parts of the issues. But, but when we announced, when, when President Trump announced that we would uh, get rid of the Iran deal because it wasn't working – there was definitely a criticism from the Europeans that they didn't like the fact that we were getting out of the deal. But if you look at their initial statement and you look at every statement after that, they also make it very clear that we share the same goal. The United States, Europe, all of the Western alliance believes that Iran is a threat, that they should not have a nuclear weapon. And that we share the goal of denying them that access and that money. Now, the problem comes in that we have different tactics. They believe engagement works and that if we engage with Iran, we can convince them or yeah. we can somehow block it. We actually tried engagement. And I think the difference in what I was left to say in Europe is – Make no mistake, we think engagement can sometimes work, but you got to benchmark engagement. you got to come back and say, is it working, like we've done with North Korea, like Donald Trump tried to do with China recently after 20 years of, of most of Washington ignoring that engagement. I think engagement is a good initial tactic, but it is not the solution. It's not the be-all, end-all, and that's where we differ with the Europeans. Absolutely. And, but if he wants to walk back into that deal, uh, we should call out the fact that Ben Cardin wasn't for it, Menendez wasn't for it, Schumer wasn't for it, and it was not even popular. So like everything you just said. So what happened, because we walked away from that deal, they saw his, uh, their enemies in the Middle East saw an opportunity, an opportunity to maybe join Israel under a common goal— and now they suddenly have recognized Israel. The UAE has recognized it, Sudan, Morocco, Bahrain, and on the doorstep is Saudi Arabia. Uh, Rick, you, that would not have happened had we stayed in the Iranian deal. Correct. We, we can thank President Obama and his Middle East policy for the Abraham Accords. There's no question about that. What the, what the Obama-Biden team did in the Middle East by creating such a mess, by really removing the United States as an ally to so many of our critical allies in the region, they felt abandoned. And that created a, a new dynamic, a shift in paradigm for them to say, okay, what do we do need when we do get a new administration like the like the Trump administration was for them. And and they were 
very willing to to move forward with a new plan, a new accord, a new agreement, because they remembered the old way of doing it, and where Iran was allowed to bully the region. I think going forward on the Iran deal, Brian, what we have to do is we have to remind Senator Menendez, remind the Europeans, remind people who want to look at engagement as a positive thing, that we have engaged, that the Iranians have uh, ignored that engagement, abused it, and lied about it, and remind people of just how brutal this regime is. Because in some ways, to want to engage with Iran means that you trust the Iranian regime, and we can't trust them. They always lie. Absolutely. And they continue to do it and threaten. They had uh, the Grand Ayatollah had his Twitter account frozen. Finally, can you believe it? Uh, they finally realized that he's he's a bit of an outlaw. Not not all of the, the his accounts have been frozen. There's a couple that uh, in English and uh, some official ones that are still up large ones. They did freeze one, um, but there's still many more to go. And, and you know, from my perspective, this latest move is so late and so little. Uh, you know, this regime has been throwing gays off buildings and threatening the existence of Israel for years. And I, why Twitter and Jack, Jack didn't uh, immediately respond uh, is, is really beyond the pale. This is a regime that consistently denies their people access to Twitter, but yet the regime is on there spewing hate and lies. I want you to hear the different assessments of Donald Trump's foreign policy. We restored American strength at home and American leadership abroad. The world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. So here's my message to those beyond our borders. America has been tested, and we've come out stronger for it. We will repair our alliances and engage with the world once again. Well, who's telling the truth? I know you're, you're a Trump guy, but how could two people who in the highest office have different perceptions of how we're viewed? It's a, it's a kind of an easy answer, and that is that Joe Biden and the left and the Washington establishment believe that consensus is the solution to global problems. And what that means is if you go to the Security Council of the U.N., 15 countries go into the Security Council, and they try to come up with a statement or a policy where they all agree. So when we go in, we've got Kenya and uh, a whole bunch of other countries that get to France, for instance, China, Russia. They all have to sign off on the policy. So it's not a U.S. policy. It's a global policy. And the Trump administration believes you try for consensus. You try to convince people that the American way is going to be better for them, and it's certainly better for us. But that's what diplomats are there to do. They're not there to cut the baby in half or to find um, consensus when it's not helpful. What American diplomats should be are advocates for America, unapologetically pro-America. And by the way, Brian, I have to tell you, I spent eight years at the UN and, and more than two years in Germany. Every country does this. 
I yeah. have never been in a diplomatic negotiation, and I've been in tens of thousands of them. I've never been in a single one where the other side doesn't ask the United States taxpayer to pay for something <laughs> or do something. I hear you. Uh, so th- this is what I'm heartened by. Joe, uh, it looks like Joe Biden's foreign policy is, is so far not going to be that much different than yours. Tough stance with China, reformed by Anthony Blinken. Oppose the Nordstrom 2 gas line that goes through Germany from Russia. They also oppose it. Provide lethal weapons to Ukraine. They support it. They are going to keep recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and they're going to keep the tariffs on China. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Are you? Uh, I, I'm looking at a variety of issues right now, and I think we have to wait and see how rhetoric matches actions. Um, I do see that the new Secretary of State has, has complemented the Serbia-Kosovo uh, agreement, and and that's historic. I, I can't imagine anyone saying anything negative about it because it certainly moves yeah. the ball forward and where we haven't been able to move it in 20 years. But I think the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. We need to be able to see action when it comes to China. I mean, I think Joe Biden has uh, a China blind spot. And so how is he going to engage? This is my attitude on China uh, is the same as we were talking about with engagement. 20 plus years ago, we decided to engage with China because we thought engagement, bringing them into the WTO would allow us to have greater human rights and a rule of law process in China. That has not happened. And so too many times Washington, D.C. fails to benchmark and go back and evaluate the effectiveness of their policies. And with China, there's only one uh, decision that you can come to, and that is, is engagement with China has failed. The rule of law has gotten worse. Look at Hong Kong. Look at the Uyghurs. The, the entire human rights portfolio is a mess. They organize China, organizes at the UN as a superpower by getting a veto inside the Security Council, and they're a leader of the G77 Developing Nation Group. <laughs> they're playing us. They're doing both sides. We have to be able to say that our current policy with China over the last 20 years of engagement has not worked. It's made things worse. Very true. I just want to uh, pivot, if I can, to the director of national intelligence. John Brennan said something the other day. Eric, I don't know if you have it. Uh, John Brennan came out the other day on MSNBC and talked about how Biden was moving swiftly in this direction. Members of the, the Biden team who have been nominated or have been appointed are now moving in laser-like fashion to try to uncover as much as they can about what looks very similar to insurgency movements that we've seen overseas, Mm -hmm. where they germinate in different parts of a country and they gain strength and it brings together an unholy alliance frequently of religious religious extremists, authoritarians, fascists, bigots, uh, racists, nativists, uh, even libertarians. What's he talking about? He's talking about what happened on January 6th. I get it. So they're moving swiftly to find out what's behind it. There's also a movement in, on Capitol Hill to see what Parler has to do with it and their role with Russia. Yeah. Look, let me let me make two points about John Brennan. One, first, uh, he and I agree in that what ha- the Capitol attack uh, was was terrible and we need to condemn it. But where he and I differ greatly 
is that he always jumps to only blame one side. He's, a, he's an incredible partisan. We, on the conservative side, have, have condemned violence on the baseball fields in Washington, D.C., when Steve Scalise was shot in Portland, in Minneapolis, and in the Capitol. He has not done that. He's only done one side. The, the other point that people must remember about John Brennan, this is a guy who just a couple of weeks before the 2020 election signed a letter with other former intelligence officials claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Now, that is the Beijing line. That is what China wants you to say. I think we have a crisis when it comes to Barbara Boxer, um, Eric Swalwell, Dianne Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi. These are all San Francisco Bay Area liberals who have fallen for Chinese spy and China messaging. And now we have 50 former U.S. intelligence officials not seeing a briefing on Hunter Biden's laptop, not knowing any details, but going out on a limb and saying that this was Russian disinformation. I think there needs to be a, an investigation as to why 50 former intelligence officials, right before an election, presidential election of yep. 2020, pushed misinformation, which was the Beijing line. It was a lie. Hunter Biden's laptop is not Russian disinformation. That was a lie, and that's exactly what China wanted us to say right before the election. It's worth Don't look into the details. Yep. Don't look at, at the relationship between the Bidens and China. Make this about Russia. John Brennan is pushing Russia, Russia, Russia yet again. This is the Beijing line. Ask yourself, why is it that, that California Democrats, who are very powerful in Washington, have all fallen for Chinese spies and Chinese lies. It's a big problem, and they're pushing Beijing lines, and part of that is to always say that it's Russia's fault to look over at Russia. Rick did a great job. So good to talk to you again. Um, welcome to stateside. <laughs> thanks. It's, it's nice to be home. Yeah, uh, U.S. Ambassador to Germany, Director of National Intelligence, Rick Grinnell, thanks. When we come back, we wrap up this hour with your phone calls, one 408 7669 I'll remind you, I'm going to be on at 7 o'clock tonight Eastern, whenever you're listening to this, uh, on uh, Fox News Primetime. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I was disappointed to see within hours of assuming office, the new administration was more interested in helping illegal immigrants than helping our own citizens. More interested in virtue signals to the climate activists than supporting the union workers who were building the Keystone Pipeline. And more interested in appeasing the WHO than getting to the bottom of how China released this virus to the world in the first place. Kevin McCarthy, 
That's exactly what we should be focusing on. We are still focusing on the vaccine. We're talking about therapeutics. We're talking about uh, how to stop it, how to get back to work. But fundamentally, there's got to be a huge part of the science portion of our country, of the Fauci-led division, that is talking about where it started, how it started, why people lied, why the WHO has come out, and why we went back to an organization that takes its orders from China who poisoned 130 countries. Nobody wants to bring that up, and it makes no it makes zero sense to me. Bill was over in Brooklyn, New York, home of the of the Brooklyn Nets. I'm listening on WABC. Hey, Bill. Yeah, formerly Brooklyn Dodgers. Anyway, uh, I wanted to comment on that secretary's uh, comments about high paying union jobs. Yep. Uh, that only means votes for them. That's the only reason he mentioned that. What about all the non union people? The immigrants who are looking to get into unions. I got two sons. I've been trying to get them into a union for three years, four years. Right. They don't want them. The unions are solid. They don't need anybody. In fact, uh, particular unions are on furloughs and stuff. So it's all about votes. But just I see right through it. I hope the nation sees through it. I do. Uh, I mean, can you believe that anybody, uh, any president would sign up executive orders that cost jobs? Can you remember anything Donald Trump did that intentionally cost jobs? He lowered taxes. He made it easier to hire and fire people to on performance. He made sure minimum wage didn't go up to a place in which people had to lay off other people for jobs. Let the free market do it. See you tonight at 7. On Fox News Primetime, thanks so much for listening. Anytime you want to listen to this show, BrianKilmeadeShow.com or the podcast. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at FoxBusinessPodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.